unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. to the nightclub where we are the ones who shoot slow moving cosmic zombies in every part of their body but the head i'm your host <laughs> travis maxwell boone and with me is that boyka boy who's fresh off the porcelain uh throne from from the first part of this gates of hell trilogy i'm keystone rick <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying something else because what i had wasn't working for me no more eggnog you're not no breaking more, in the eggnog? No, no eggnog and Natterdays for me tonight. No. And to make sure he stays in check, we've got the keeper of the contracts, the the binder of your soul, Grindhouse fucking zombie. Good evening, good evening, good evening. We are here, and we are here to talk about, boy, you know what I think might be the slightly better entry Mm, to mm. the first one mm. but but i could uh you know much like travis on a saturday night i could go either way <laughs> that's true <laughs> oh, as always and we have returning to the podcast a special guest he's writing for or a writer for asian movie pulse he's the curator of don's world of horror and exploitation and he has his own podcast the horror countdown podcast which is in bitches it's don and ellie hey you yeah, what's up, guys? <laughs> Thank Thanks you for being for back. Great to be back. Yeah. Yeah. To be back. Don, I, I love your website, and I wish I understood how you found the time. <laughs> I honestly do. It is it is so awesome. It is so thorough, and it encompasses everything horror. Uh, yeah, if, for people that don't know it, honestly, go check it out. Because if you were thinking about watching a horror movie, and maybe you were going to, maybe you weren't going to, you will find out if you're going to through don's website it is fantastic right on it is some, that's high it, praise from a grindhouse uh, yeah, yeah man. it's it is but it's true it's true because i don't bullshit i don't bullshit about horror horror is a serious thing and anyone that uh, bullshits about horror can kiss my ass oh <laughs> well thanks don't threaten me with a good time <laughs> not well what we're doing here is we, this is the second entry in lucio fulci's gates of hell trilogy and they're there there wouldn't be a finer guest to have on than Don to discuss this movie because this type of film and this trilogy of films, a seasoned horror fan knows this, but this I would still say is more obscure horror to most people who who watch casually horror films. And this movie's bonkers, batshit, bananas. Um <laughs> it, it it follows through with the sort of like fever dream logic or dream logic as the uh, first entry in the series 
And the only thing tying these films together is the concept of of the gates of hell. There's no real continuity other than my made up uh Bob, older Bob uh, <laughs> from part one is Bob from part three. But there is no Bob in this in this movie. Before we do dive into tonight's film, though, we're going to repeat something, repeat something a little fun. I, well, oh, shit, I didn't ask. Does everyone have um, some recommendations for the riffs? I got two. Uh, yeah. I have one, I have one, so just I'll just I'll just go last and be like a a skid mark in the underwear. You know what I mean? Sounds <laughs> kinky. Well, I mean, you still have to finish the movie too, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> All about by Don and Ellie. What? Okay. Well, you know what? I got to work fair. for eleven, Don. Okay. <laughs> fair. <laughs> it's totally fair. It's totally. Oh, dude. I, like I said, I've been riding this this day on a rail, and it was like there, there was a couple of kinks in the rail, so it just shit happened the way it happened. Okay, Don. That's fair, Don. That's fair. I'll, no worries. I'll take yeah, it. no worries. Um, yeah, they're they're here. I got it. All right, getting called out, getting railed, skid marks. It must be time for Ricky. I hope people who like are on the show and hear us do that. I hope they go back and listen to the episode so they can hear how this shit gets edited and how there's <laughs> production design oh, and yeah. all that. I do. <laughs> I know. All right. I guess I'll kick us off here. Um, unless you want to go first, Rickles. Grindhouse no, already chose to go last. So, and I, I dove back into something I heard in high school originally. It's an album from 2006. Oh, see, I did the and thing right there. It's either 2005 or six. I should have looked that part up, but it's You in Reverse by Built to Spill. This is an indie gem. Well, the whole, every album from this band is like a little indie rock gem, but this is the first one that I heard through and through. Built to Spill is a, a, a band from Boise, Idaho, I believe, originally, and they're fronted by a guy named Doug Marsh, who's a phenomenal guitar player, a really good lyricist, and a really pretty singer. So you combine all of that and a little bit of sadness sometimes, a little bit of angst here and there, but mostly thought-provoking lyrics and very interesting layered songwriting like ripping riffs isn't just for metal doug marsh writes some ripping riffs and they are just spread out throughout this entire album from start to finish like going against your mind liar this album it's stacked with like tremendous songs traces and this this is one that i heard at a like a seminal point in my life in fact, the year I heard this record, I think like it was part of a trifecta I had going on with that. Bob Dylan's Modern Times, which was new that year. And I want to say Silver Sun Pickups, Carnivos. It's like these albums were just on repeat constantly. So what you're going to get here is like, a, again, great lyrics, a lot, a lot of great melody. They're writing really catchy stuff constantly. So that that's a nostalgic one for me man from from back in the gap and i just got to give it a 10 for that reason alone it's that good anyway i really do think so i would also go out on the limb I'm, i know I'm, I'm no 
and, and say that if you if you like that album, check out um, "There's Nothing Wrong with Love" by the same band. It's just it's just like a slightly more low budget, slightly more independently made record from earlier in their career, but uh, it has all the same ingredients. So it makes for a for a really fun listen, really meaningful listen. Never listened to Built to Spill, but check. I know about them. Check them out, bud. I will one day. But Miss first, I have something brand new to share with you guys. This is a local band from Lafayette. They're called Gamera. They're like they're they're like old school thrash metal, like kind of like that missing link between thrash and death metal, and. This this EP is called Kuyon Death Squad. We are the sons of the most dominant dog. I came to a college on the very occupation. In the unity, they are trying to say, the dominant mercenaries, why have you been able to live? I just call, Jeremy Sasha Shaw, Sasha Shaw, Sasha Shaw, they're American Southern Bombs. They're stretching on your mind, to ensure you're satisfied. Set the bar, we never miss. Guaranteed your satisfaction, set the bell to replace. Couillon meaning what, Travis? In Cajun French? It's a couillon. Like is... a fuck up, like someone who's a fuck up. Yeah. Or who's crazy or dumb. dumb. A, si- a silly person. A silly person. Yeah. So couillon death squad. Uh, by Gamera. That's Gamera with two R's, I guess. You gotta avoid Gamera that Toho copyright code. Yeah, I guess Toho didn't, uh, uh, didn't want that. It's Who? Daye. Oh shit, we we're out of school. We're out. We're out of school. Oh shit. <laughs> Teach us, Don. No worries. No, no You're worries. The uh, Gamera's uh, from Daye. Uh, Are they also it's, as it's close enough? No worries. But yeah, just uh, to. That way, you guys weren't being uh, shit on by the listeners. You'll actually get it from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> are they just as litigious? No. Um, yeah. Well, Toho is just a, a little bit more of an um, international corporation. Uh, di- well, just because uh, you know Godzilla is not just their only property. They're also like Attack on Titan and um, I, I think Dragon Ball Z. So they're like a little bit more of like an international corporation. So uh, they have to be a little bit more um, stringent with their stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. But anyway, this is a short three-song EP. Kuyon Death Squad title track. It's the first track. Uh, it's fast. It rips. The solo is long and awesome. 
the vocals kind of remind me of Randy from Lamb of God, but like more from like a, I don't know, like a thrashy perspective, you know, it's, which isn't to say that there's not a good amount of groove. There's still a lot of groove in this. Um, the production is really good. I like it a lot, but it still sounds dirty, dirty enough for me. The second track is HOA, Homeowners Association. And the third track is Sugar Mill Headhunt. Sugar Mill Headhunt is the longest track on the EP. It's like 10 minutes long. It's like a slower track and it like builds up and stuff. It's really good. I give this a 10 and I suggest you guys go check this shit out. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, all that shit. And it'll be in the show notes. And it'll be in the show notes, too. Name alone is enough to intrigue me, so... We actually met those guys after a, a Golgothan show, and they were pretty nice guys. Yeah, we were hanging out with them. It was fun. If you remember uh, my last time, um, I brought a uh, couple of old school thrash bands. Uh, so this time I'm going to go with uh, my second love and I'm going to go with uh, Rip Roaring Power Metal. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, although this time, since the, the genre is not as well known, uh, I'm going to do a band and an album. So uh, the first one is uh, the album, which is uh, the debut from uh, the Ukrainian act Conquest called Endless Power. The Ukrainian version of the band Conquest, because there's various uh, you know bands that have taken that name. The, the Ukrainian version is basically uh, Halloween uh, Keepers of the Jekyll era that just never decided to uh, age or advance beyond that that part of their uh, life cycle. So straightforward speed metal, vicious solos, tons of atmosphere, wailing vocals, pounding drums energy out the wazoo. I mean, this thing is intense, vicious, but insanely memorable and melodic. It, it's it. so much fun. Uh, you you kind of have to deal with the Euro cheese uh, singing style because it's very, very in that, you know, they, they don't obviously speak English as the first language, so the lines don't make grammatical sense, and they have that just European edge to them where they, you know, pronounce things phonetically that certain way, or they have that dialect tone in their voice, yeah. but yep. yeah. if you can get into the music, I mean, this thing is just straightforward speed. Um, I, I, I don't really know a lot of the singles offhand that would really make, like, discernible singles, like, you can just, like, put a song on it and say, yeah, I really like this, but the, the one song to check out is uh, I'm Coming Back, which is just four minutes of just insane dynamic speed, tons of wailing vocals, and just a, a full throttle attack that's just really, really fun. And 
the rest of the album is just like that. It's like that's like a, if I was to suggest that, that as a single, it would probably be it. But yeah, overall, it's just a full throttle attack. It's just old school speed to the max, power metal melody, great time, and definitely worth uh, checking out. They kind of the rest of their albums aren't as good as this one. This is definitely like you know hitting their peak with the ground running, but. Uh, the rest of their stuff is actually pretty good. Uh, they kind of in- developed into a little bit like a Sonata Arctica style, if you know what that, that mm-hmm. band is. But uh, yeah, the, the first album is very, very uh, Hell- Keepers of the Jer- Keepers of Jericho era Halloween. So if you like that album, it's definitely nice. one to look into. to the Yizah, and again, for all the listeners, this will always, anytime we do a Ricky's Rippin' Riffs, if you want links to the albums or the artists that we recommend, go check the show notes wherever you get your podcast, because uh, it's always in there. Uh, lastly, on uh, my picks for the Rippin' Riffs, I've got this this band I've been listening Grindhouse wants to go. Let Grindhouse go. Well, I found go. a second I found a second one. Go ahead, oh. bud. That I was, that I've been, like, listening to lately. I, I, like I said, I came in today right on a rail, barely got shit done, but I thought of a second one, and the second one is really good. The band's name is Ginger. Mm-hmm. I think I've shared Ginger with you guys, right? Yeah. Um, and the album that I'm talking about is, um, I think it's The King of Everything. Mm-hmm. like the whole album um i like tatiana's way of singing i think i've shared that with you there's a song on that album called pisces that i think no human being's life is complete unless they've listened to this song and listened to her sing it's magical it like it grabs you at a low point and pulls you up and then just the the music and, and just the vibe of this song just comes in through your butthole and comes out through your mouth and just makes you want to live a better life <laughs> i i like what don was saying about um the over pronunciation because ginger definitely does that <laughs> but there's something awesome about it like the way the, the way she when she sings she over pronounces words um everyone should go out and find the band ginger j-i-n-j-e-r and listen to the song pisces and if that does not get you up off your butt and ready to like attack your day nothing's going to that that song is just 
That song is a, sorry, Ricky, it's a fucking 10. It is just awesome. Uh, and it just gets my blood pounding, gets my nipples hard. It just makes me want to go out and fuck the world in the ass. And I I love that song. I just love it. So yeah. And as an addendum, you can also uh, shortcut that by watching YouTube reaction videos to that song. Yeah, there's a lot there's of a, reaction videos. There's a yeah, lot of those. Yeah, and I and yeah, you one, can just pick one at random. Those yeah, those are fun too. <laughs> yeah, the one redheaded Australian chick, she is a super hot and b super emphatic about her reaction. So like, I dig that because a hot redhead grindhouse has a thing. But just the song, the band, everything they do in that, how they they approach it so slowly. Especially in the video, the song is the song is approached slowly. They walk up on it. They don't run up. They walk up on it, and they stay slow, and they stay sort of calm, and then when it hits, it hits. Leastly, I've got this band I've been listening to for a long time. Uh, they're an instrumental band from San Marcos, Texas. The band is called This Will Destroy You, and the album I want to recommend tonight is one that I listened to for the first time when it came out, fresh off Suicide Squeeze Records, which is a little indie record company. This album's from 2014. It's called Another Language. <laughs> Sort of band along with another instrumental band I really like, Explosions in the Sky. They they are described as post rock. I don't I don't fully know what that means, and I've listened to a bunch of post rock, and I still don't really understand kind of what that term means. Because within just like within rock music, post rock itself seems to encompass a lot of different genres, and this right. album this album definitely does that because there's elements of shoegaze there it's there's ambience and 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 some drone music but there's like elements of shoegaze and doom metal and some people have even described this album as doom gaze which is pretty dope and i mean other than saying that this this record just 
there's no words, so there's no lyrics to carry you through. It's all gonna. Kind of makes a, me think of Sono. Sono, yeah, yeah. There, there's just certain dynamics in, in the in the music that make it sound cinematic, um, sort of grand, larger than life. <laughs> Look how busy he's been. <laughs> <laughs> Grindhouse is like twenty deep in the silver bullets over there. <laughs> Tonight's his night to shine on the porcelain throne. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so many, so many uh, words to describe the music itself, but the only way to really check it out is to check it out. I, I, I hate to be a broken record when it comes to these album recommends, because I think I always want to give them tens. But hey, man, this is another ten. This is one you just—if if you're a stoner, especially—go uh, ahead and spark up or eat your edible and zone out to this this album for a good hour or however long it is. Um, I think it's somewhere around there. Oh, just wait till I get to the end. You will. <laughs> I you. trust me. Oh yeah, yeah. You will fucking, you will fucking gummy up and grab your skateboard and go to fucking town when I get to the end. My skateboard? Oh man, I'm not ready to break my leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. But you'll, you'll dig it. You'll dig it. So for my next one, it's a 2021 release. You guys are going to have to bear with me because I don't speak very good German. But this <laughs> band is named uh, Cannonen Fiber. That's uh spell. Well, you know what? I'm not going to fucking spell it because you'll put the link in the show notes. And the album title is Minschenschen Mule. Minschen Mule. I don't know. I can't. I can't speak German. So fuck it's, it. It's uh, it's Minschen the Mule. Yeah mule mentioning uh this is like kind of like a melodic death black metal hybrid uh it's very moody and atmospheric pummeling and intense and it's all themed around world war one stuff uh, i'm just read this little excerpt from Bandcamp. it's intended the album's intended to cor- commemorate if i can speak to commemorate <laughs> The countless victims of World War One, men were thrown into a different reality where only survival would count. Death, fear, and hunger as a steady companion in the waist-deep trenches filled with mud. One order transferred people into cannon fodder in the human meal of World War One. It, it's it's wow. bleak and it's just moody and intense and. 
their live shows are full of like fucking barbed wire and smoke that looks like chemical smoke and they wear World War One German uniforms and shit with like the gas masks and stuff like it, it's an experience that I want to experience I haven't experienced it I've never seen them live so yeah this this band is intense and bleak and one could be forgiven for seeing them and thinking that maybe they're uh, affiliated with less than reputable mindsets of politics, but they're not. They're just, you know, World War One nerds and just kind of want to tell that story, you know, from all sides. All Quiet on the Western Front, go watch that. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, this, this album's a 10. I don't like being a broken record either, but all I've been listening to for the past couple of weeks is this album and... Kuyon Death Squad, so there you have it. <laughs> Mr. Donanelli. All right. Well, uh, actually kind of funny. Um, just a little coincidence that uh, you pronounce my name that way because uh, the well, I, the first one was uh, the, an album. Uh, the new one, this one is a band. And uh, this one is uh, the Italian power metal band Ancient Bards. Mm. So uh, they are um, pretty much m- more aligned with uh, symphonic power metal. So operatic bombast out the wazoo nice. uh, technical skill set second to none they are just fantastic musicians but everything sounds like it comes from like a Wagnerian opera just you know created with guitars bass drums and keyboards Right. but Damn. you wrap it all up with one of the most dynamic impressive and versatile female vocalists I've ever heard uh, just an absolutely majestic voice she absolutely has a, a, yeah, she's just incredible and I absolutely love just the way that she sounds with the band because it just fits the sound perfectly and you know very few know about it because you know power metal's just not very all that well known over here but uh, I think they have like four or five records I think the last one came out uh, just before the pandemic uh, so I don't know if they were able to like capitalize on it or do any like kind of touring about it but um yeah, I think it came out like right at the tail end of 2019, like right around 2020 kind of a time period. So it's like just right before everything shut down. But yeah, they have like a couple of great albums. Um, and I think it's their second one, A New Dawn Ending, is uh, really, really good. Um, if you're familiar with um, the band Rhapsody or Rhapsody of Fire, um, they're yeah. very, very, very indebted to that kind of a style. Um interludes uh you know like folk kind of melodies nice but very very high speed power metal lots of bombast keyboards and like i said just you know one of the greatest female vocalists i've ever heard so uh you know a lot of they, they got like i said three or four albums out um they, they, they don't have bad ones if i was to pick one though it would probably be a new dawn ending but yeah uh, 
great, great band. Uh, really, really good. And, uh, definitely one that uh, needs a little bit more attention. So, I'll be I'm, checking them out for sure. I'm glad that you brought the Italian metal along with the Italian horror tonight. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... <laughs> Kind of uh, went hand in hand, so. Hell yeah, man. Finish us off, Grindhouse. Well, much like I always do, you have to get into your DeLorean, uh, pump up your fusion reactor, and set the Wayback Machine. So I'm going back to 1987. Um, and I, I liked what you said earlier about it not necessarily having to be like hardcore metal, because um, this, this album is definitely not. Um, it is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, mm. 1987 the uplift mofo party plan whoa um so this is back for me this is 87 so i am oh shit i am 13 14 years old um i am rocking the most awesome skateboard with the most awesome wheel and the most awesome trucks and the most awesome everything and this album comes out everything from oh fuck from me and my friends on that. Um, the Backwoods. Um, no Chump Love Sucker is just an awesome tune. But this was also, for me, as somebody who loves music and like like gets into it, into it, this was one of the first times that somebody from a band that I love died. And after the release of this album and after a big long tour, um, Halel Slovak died. Of a, of a drug overdose and not like today where you hear about it on your phone first thing it like it took some time to like propagate through the through the ether you know and then you hear about it and it's like well well wait a minute how did he like he was young how did he die you know um and i honestly think it was one of the things at that age that made me go fundamentally not judging the world or anybody else, but just go, hey, drugs are bad. Like, maybe I should never touch drugs. Because at that time, it was like, that's where everything was like front and center. And it was like, you could have anything you wanted on a cookie plate, just hit drugs. Here you go. You could have everything you want. So that, like, kind of sobered me up as a teenager. But then as as somebody who just loved music and just, and especially with, with, this, with this album, like, it was so kind of backwoods blues funk and then you listen to the album and you get to a song that was titled on the album called special secret song inside and it doesn't have a catchy title it it's not like one of those things that like if you were picking up a cd or an album at the time and you look at it and go well i want to listen to that but the song was basically called i want to party on your pussy and at that time it was like i completely got that you know <laughs> Um, but then the rest of the song, I mean, like 
there's a song called Fight Like a Brave, and it was just about being ballsy and being out there and just giving everything you had to the world, and if the world didn't give back, then you know what? Fuck you. That's fine. I don't I don't care. Um, but then like, getting to songs like, like Walking On Down the Road, where it's like, I did everything I could, and now I'm kind of like stepping out, and if you don't like me, I don't give a shit. One of those albums that, for me, is always going to be a 10. Fucking A, dude. And as, as it's always... It's a 10. <laughs> it's a fucking 10. As always, every time... it, Even if I don't come in at 10s or 9s or 8s, what I always do when we do the rip and riffs is I go back and listen to every recommend that either we give each other or when we have a guest on, they bless us with. So that's that's always the best part of this for me. So I'm definitely going to be checking out the metal that Ricky and Don brought, but also that's, that's kind of, that's pretty moving. So I want to, I want to, I want to go check out that oh, album, yeah. but also that song in particular. 87 was a good year, bro. Like a fine I should, wine. I should know I was made in 87 <laughs> as well. well. It doesn't have to be metal to be good. And I think that's what people have to understand. Hell, I mean, like I love metal. I, I done I, brought hip hop to the riffs. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, but that's my point, though, is it does not have to be metal or something else to be good. I mean, good is just right. good, mm-hmm. you know. And if if it's blues, if it's folk, if it's funk, if it's whatever else, it's either good or it's not, you know. And I, I leave it to the listener to decide what's good and what's not because it, it ain't going to be the same for me that it is for the listener. I can only say that this one, honestly – played a big part in framing my life and like how I approach things. That's what it did. Um, and Hey, I get it. I'm old. I'm old as fuck. I'm, I'm a mummy. I, you guys <laughs> don't, don't ever let me forget that shit. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? The reality is I know some shit and I've heard some shit and I've seen some shit and I don't ever want anybody to think that I know what I'm talking about. I'm constantly eating his shit. But at the same time, I I might know what I'm talking about. So you know what you're talking about, boy. Take it for what it's worth. No, man, that those life framing yeah. albums, dude. I those mean, I, are important, man, mm-hmm. and I, I feel you on that 100. percent I've got a number of those myself. time to get into this midnight ritual folks we're going to do the second entry in lucio falci the master of eyeball gouging gores <laughs> gates of hell trilogy what you're going to want to do for this midnight ritual is you're going to want to go ahead and inherit a hotel uh break down the diarrhea walls inside and find a portal to hell all right that's what that's what that, <laughs> if you have not seen tonight's film the beyond from 1981 then cry off the podcast now Bastards! Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs> Shut up!
All right. I have to say, you'll appreciate this too, Travis. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things about watching this movie is trying to figure out what the last names of all these weird-ass characters are. I don't. I'm not even trying. No, no, this. like, but but I'm pretty sure some of, I'm pretty sure Joe the Plumber is a Fontenot. He <laughs> looks like a Fontenot. Okay. I'm pretty sure Arthur, the sneaky, weird, creepy guy, is a Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jerry. But that guy's definitely a Thibodeau. He's a Thibodeau. He's a Thibodeau. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. I, I'm I'm just looking at these characters and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a fucking Thibodeau. That's a Fontenot. That's a Pierre. <laughs> the Beyond, or in Italian, and you will live in terror. The Afterlife is a 1981 Italian Southern Gothic supernatural horror film directed by Lucio Fulci. From the original sh- story, sure, I almost said short story, created by Dardano Sacchetti, I believe is how you might say his name. And it is starring Catriona, I think, McCall. <laughs> yep. And David Warbeck. And this this movie basically, I don't know, it's all Louisiana, bruh. And that's where we from, bruh. It's so, all in that New Orleans area. Yeah, I mean, that's like two hours, roughly two and a half hours south east from where we're from but still close enough to home that we recognize certain things or at least oh yeah you know it's it's the state you can claim it oh the palmetto trees and shit go ahead yeah and as previously mentioned this is the second part of the gates of hell trilogy from mr fulci a lot of it was filmed on location in and around new orleans in 1980 uh 1980 with um some of the shots taking place in what was the Otis house near Lake Pontchartrain. And that was within Fairview Riverside state park. I've never been to that state park, but it would be cool to go. I I don't know if that, if that place still stands, I imagine if it's a historic location, it probably does. We should make a trek out there. If it still stands, dude, that would be fucking dope. Right. Um, there's also a sequence in this film that was shot on the bridge. Um, the, it's it's called the Lake Pontchartrain Causeway. I didn't know that name of it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a really cool bridge if you ever get to cross it. You're just crossing it's, a bridge on open water. It's fucking dope. As far as you can see. And mm-hmm. it's really fucking rad that they, I don't know how the fuck they shut that motherfucker down to shoot this, but it's crazy. Yeah. That, uh, that... Well, I, that could be one of my spoilers. Uh, not a lot of it was shut down. Oh, no. What'd they do? Uh, a lot of it was just uh, running around, uh, grabbing shots whenever they could. Um, there, there was a, there was a few that they did. Um, I, I think I remember reading that the library sequence was uh, done with permits, nice. uh, just because they had to do the scenes with the gore and the you know the, the bloodshed and all that. But yeah, not everything here was uh, done legally, as they say. Uh, not a lot of the uh, T's were crossed and I's were dotted, as they say. I I said on the previous episode, go back and listen to Toilet of the Living Dead, that Don and Ellie would tell us if they shut down the causeway or not. I said that verbatim. You did say it. And and look at that shit. Look (laughs) at that fucking shit. I'm like a goddamn uh, prophesizer, a seer, if you will. I wonder what time of the day it was that they shot this because early morning. that That fucking bridge is always busy. It had to be really early morning because it kind of, to me, it kind of looked like maybe the sun might have just been coming up. Right. I, I don't know. Um, 
I wanted to, to touch on this before a little bit of trivia. The the concept of the beyond, I read about this. Um, Sacchetti, who wrote the the little story this was based on, he said it, he said he put he based it on his ruminations of death and the suffering of being born condemned to die. And you're basically born to be erased. And he he sought to depict the beyond as a hell full of dead souls. An other world existing outside of Euclidean geometry. So mm-hmm. I guess something your brain can't really wrap itself around. Right. Um, and originally the, the film's final sequence uh, where the characters enter the beyond was meant to be a place in an amusement park. So I, I think they did a good job not going that route. Honestly, oh, I mean, this, uh, this is not some day of the oof. dead shit. This is some bleak cosmic shit going on yeah. here. Yeah, this what, is much better. Glad they didn't do that. <laughs> what what do y'all what do y'all think of when you think of this film's version of it's called The Beyond, so that the title of the film is is basically a post life bleak landscape. What in your mind because to me it's like if there would be an afterlife, I would hate to end up here. This is some void the void shit. Like this is not cool. Yeah, it's up there for me. Um, especially in um you know, if you were to, you know, call it Western cinema, um, I, I think my all-time, well, it's kind of hard to say favorite, but uh, I, I still say that the all-time best interpretation of Hell was uh, Coffin Joe, uh, Awakening of the Beast. Uh, I, I've never seen that. Me either. Yeah, uh, I, uh, basically, I, yeah, I, I still say that would probably be my favorite, um, although that's kind of an odd term to hear me say in association with Hell, but... Well, what's what's um, it like in that film? Uh, so basically, it's uh, everybody is uh, trapped in uh, various stages of uh, the landscape itself, where, oh, uh, you know, some people are, like, you know, half sticking out of a wall. Some people are, like, half, st- you know, they have their arms sticking out out of the ground. Uh, you know, others are uh, just like laying on top of it, but they're like embedded into it itself to where like, you know, you can't move, you can't you know, like do anything. And you're just basically like stuck there for all of eternity. Oh um, my God. So it is kind of so, like the beyonds in it to a certain degree, maybe, maybe more gnarly yeah, looking. Um, yeah, well, the only, the only reason I give, I give it uh, the edge is because uh, it's like, it, it's a greater portion of the film. Where, um, you know, here in the beyond, we see it for maybe five minutes, if that. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Uh, in Awakening of the Beast, it's a little bit of a, it, it, it's, uh, a, there's a bigger part of it in the film. So that, uh, to me, kind of gives it a little bit more importance. But um, yeah, in terms of what is presented as in here, uh, it's, it's outright chilling. And, uh, you know, the fact that y- you basically lose your senses um you know you're blinded you're basically like incapable of doing anything you're just like stuck there yeah it's yeah that's really terrible yeah it's it's definitely i I would say one of if not the better of one of the you know again weird uh thing to say but it's uh you know one of the best interpretations of hell well yeah and for this one they give you they give you the little bits of uh, to use your phrasing, people that are in the various stages of it, whether it be purgatory or whatever else, people that are a quarter of the way, a halfway, three quarters of the way there, but they they kind of put them all in at the same time. Um, 
and your main protagonist has to sort of decipher like who's where and who's telling them what. I honestly kind of one of the parts that I dug about this movie. Um, Emily, the blind woman. Um, I mean, she was almost kind of the gatekeeper in a way. Like she was because she had the dog. You know, she had the she had what I I would just almost describe as a hellhound, basically. Oh, um, poor Dicky. Uh, oh yeah, Dicky the dog. Yes. Um, but I think you're right, Don. It's like it, it, this movie. It, it's short burst, but I also think it gives you a little bit of pieces of the perception of the stages of going to hell. Our main protagonist was sort of going there the whole time. She just didn't know it. Mm. What I like about this movie. And, and she time, drugged that poor doctor with her. Well, uh, <laughs> Dr. McCabe. Yeah, he, he wanted went, to hit, but he, he, he hit rock bottom. He went willingly, I'd say. <laughs> I think he went willingly. Um yeah. At least the first few steps. What I like about this movie too, it ties to the first one in, in in some subtle ways. But one of them that's really cool in in the first film of this trilogy, City of the Living Dead, you have mentioned the Book of Enoch, which mm-hmm. is a a uh, apocrypha. But right. in th- in this story, you have the Book of Ebon, which right. this is a creation of American pulp fiction author and poet Clark Ashton Smith, and it's it's associated with the Cthulhu mythos. Mm-hmm. So this guy was a, definitely a fan of um, Cthulhu. And in the book of Ebon, you have subjects that pertain to resurrection of the dead, uh, demonic magic, parallel dimensions. Th- this is a lot like the uh, Necronomicon ex mortis also from evil dead. So you're just getting all of this fun dead coming back to life resurrection or possession cosmic shit like we, we um last year november turned out to be it, every year on the nightclub november is blood month the month of blood but last year it turned out to be the zombie month and un, sort of by happenstance this year november is going to be zombie month because we're covering this trilogy and guess that? what it's got zombies in it i know i was watching the that? film today and i'm like this is serendipitous, man. I didn't yeah. plan this shit. I've been wanting right. to cover the Gates of Hell trilogy for a while, knowing Ricky was a fan of it uh, since we started this thing. It, it, it's been something that's kind of been on the back burner, and I'm glad we're finally doing it. And I just love that it ties all this in. I think it's really dope. This movie is good at, though, it's it's really good at, and so is actually the first movie, about these planar levels mm-hmm. where it's like, it, there's and, and I'm just I'm I'm gonna make it simple because I'm a simple person and call it like the stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, putting the zombies or the we'll call them the disenchanted on like a certain mm-hmm. level and having them come in kind of in a in a certain level of progression, right? And it, it's one of the things I love about this this trilogy is that it it doesn't give it to you all at once. It makes it slow. It makes it you know it. You kind of get some wine and roses as you're going along. You get a little bit of, and then as things progress, it's like first you see him through the window, and then you fall off, and oh, oh. my god, I, I I broke my leg and did whatever else. But then they take those little moments where you saw something, and then they make it a focal point of the movie. You know, with Emily and her eyes when the, when the painter fell off of the scaffolding, that was the thing that scared him. He fell off. It became a thing. But then boom we've introduced this character that has that same feature and it's like it does a good job of step by step tying in things as you go right. and 
Then we get later even on to the the daughter of Joe and Marianne, and she has the eyes. So it just it does this great job of tying things together as you go, but also elevating the steps as you go too. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's so wicked. I just I love it. I love it. When this film was released in um Italy, I mean it had, you know, some some in Europe in some places it got put on the video nasties, you know, catalog. It's like don't watch this movie. When it got released in America, it was released as um Seven Doors something or another, Seven Doors of Hell or something like that. So and that was in um this movie came out in eighty one, North America got it in eighty three, and I think it had a theatrical run in North America in eighty eight. But there was this Swedish rock band everyone might know called Europe that had a song called seven doors hotel off their first record. And the lyrics are basically a retelling of the film and it became a big hit in Japan. So there you go, Don, (laughs) they, they, those, those Kaiju motherfuckers over there. And also I wore this shirt for you tonight. Nice. It's Godzilla and Kong having their epic showdown. Oh, there it is. Okay. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I got one last little bit of trivia. Um, during the final scene in the Beyond's Abyss, the sand-covered bodies lying on the ground were actually stark naked street derelicts who were paid in alcohol. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that dream job right there, bro. I know. You just, just some throw bum. some dirt on me and <laughs> get me fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about it. <laughs> throw some yeah. dirt. Yeah, this Lovecraftian afterlife hell is uh-huh. one of my favorite depictions. And, I mean, I'm not trying to jump the gun and give the movie a rating, but this ending is poetry in cinematic form, and mm-hmm. it is a 10. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Welcome to my mood, motherfuckers. My mood. The whole movie, I mean... It... Okay, so so from someone who's from Minnesota, right? No, no, I'm from Minnesota, right? So it's like... Minnesota. Minnesota, don't you know? Knowing the little bits that I know about Louisiana and like, you know, how it's okay to marry your cousin and all that shit. um, (laughs) There's also some, there's also some like, like, there are so many things in this, like the above ground burials and just the fact that no one's, no one's had a basement in Louisiana since the 1700s since that's when they figured that. it out we don't talk about that i was gonna that. ask that i was like wait i was like i was gonna ask about that because I, I mean i know that one i didn't know who but I, I was gonna say one of you guys is from there why is there a basement in the hotel when there's nobody else that does below ground burials because i know that they that's famous for all the the cemeteries being buried above ground they do like the concrete uh, tombs and stuff like that above but where did the basement come from? Because I know that that couldn't have been natural. I'm pretty sure it was a set they built. <laughs> Dream logic. Yeah, that too. Because it doesn't I fucking mean, yeah, exist. But, I mean, to be fair, if they did build a basement in New Orleans or they must have New Orleans, that's, it somehow. that's what it would look like. It would just be that. Yeah, It would that just was, be full of water full, and gross. Full of water with a weird wood crate path yeah. and walk back and forth. It would have just been gross. <laughs> They'd have nothing but fucking... There. They'd have nothing but diarrhea walls and and just yeah. floating corpses everywhere. And yeah. I'm sure it would be haunted, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, they built it back when back in the 1800s when the whole state was still sepia colored. Apparently, we hadn't, gotten, we hadn't we hadn't became black and white yet. <laughs> 
You so. got the you got the opening line right there, cuz. With that being said, let's get into this thing. Here we go. The film opens in 1927, sepia tone, New Orleans, Louisiana, where artist and warlock Schweik. 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 He's working. He's working on this hellish painting in room 36 of the Seven Doors Hotel. He gets accosted, attacked, slashed, beaten, and dragged from his room by a lynch mob down into the. There would never exist a basement in Louisiana. Thank you, Don, for pointing that shit out. Right. And he gets killed in a gnarly fashion via crucifixion for practicing black magic, but um. Well, let's not forget the uh, chain whipping first. The chain whipping is gnarly. The chain whipping is so good, dude. The gore, uh, and we were talking right about right off this. the bat, man. The gore is so good. We were talking about this in the previous movie, and Jarek was saying how the best gore in the trilogy is probably in City. I'm watching the Beyond today, and I'm like, I don't know, man. This is pretty awesome as well. Like, it's right up there in my opinion, and the opening scene just does its best job at giving you boiling grits face melting crucifixion to spooky giallo jazz like it's insane yeah boy (laughs) and just but just the start just the start of the movie where people are they're boating through the swamp and they've got their pitchforks and their torches whatever else yeah they're both it was it was a combination (laughs) it was the combination of like a sort of like lynch mob mentality slash people in louisiana going to work just boating down the body you know um but their alligators were sick they couldn't ride their alligators that morning they had to right. take the boats. they had to take the boats that day good yeah but it was just such a it was such an odd start i mean it like the start of this movie is to uh, I've, me, I've seen that i've seen that all the time uh, well i know but the start was like really it honestly seemed disjointed from what like i remember the movie i was watching this and it was like fucking like lynch mobs in a bayou canoe it's like what and then and then they just all of a sudden they show up at the hotel and it was like okay so that's that's how you got to work you that's called just... a piro oh, a yeah. piro a piro piro a piro yeah. the bayou canoe is a piro is yeah, that what we're yeah about? i think that's what they call it okay I don't know. well that it, no, it is. see we're you know what if no one else ever listens to this podcast we can also call ourselves a language podcast because we are yeah. teaching you new things. So that's, that's a buy you canoe. We do pilo. teach. We do teach some uh, Cajun French sometimes. So like payad, like before. Payade. Yeah, boy. Couillon. <laughs> that's one you'll learn. <laughs> While all this is taking place, there's some white-eyed woman who's reading from the ancient tome of Ebon, prophesizing the opening of one of the seven gates of hell which Schweik was guarding. So this lynch mob went and f- done fucked up big time. He tries to fucking tell them too. Yeah. But they ain't having it. Mm-mm. Not having it at all. You jump from 1927, Louisiana, to 1981. We are in color, baby. We're yep. doing it now. Uh, Skip lies- right over black and white. Yeah, we didn't even need that shit. Fuck that. We went from old time to modern. The way it, the way it deserves. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Fuck that sepia tone shit. Yeah. Let's go full color, baby. Liza, uh, this woman is inheriting the Seven Doors Hotel, and she's moving from New York City to refurbish and reopen it. And soon after she arrives, there's a worker that Grindhouse mentioned earlier. Larry. Yeah. (laughs) Larry, Larry, I I think he's a Tucson. 
I think that's his last name. I thought he you said he was like a, a Tucson. Oh, he's a Tucson. All right. Yeah. Well, he sees that white that that white woman through the window, and he falls off the scaffolding, and you get gratuitous mouth blood while he's like the oh, eyes, the eyes, the eyes. No, yes. her eyes. Ah. Yeah. Enter Doctor John McCabe. Yeah, I don't. Bro. I don't know. Just this guy shows up. He's he's not. I don't know. Does bro, he how about how about <laughs> how about when Liza's like, uh, where's the doctor? Or whatever, and yeah. Arthur comes in and he's like, he's on his way. Mm. Ar- Ar- <laughs> okay, Arthur. Arthur. Arthur is the weirdest fucking guy. Bruh. I swear oh. to God. Oh bruh. yeah, yeah, definitely. Holy shit, that's an Oakland right there. That's an Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so since we're now a language podcast as well, that's we a last to, name. We have yeah. to. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's how we define shit by last name now. Oh, okay. you're not from here. Oh, do you think he's a Granger? No. Uh, oh yeah, he he's a grange. He's a grange. He yeah. seems like he might be a grange. You're right. You're more right than I was. Based on another grange. Oh yeah. A no, 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 okay. no, no, no. He ain't all. a Prejean, boy. You talking to a Prejean? Co? What you talking about? He ain't Arthur. <laughs> well, I know, but I I saw Arthur. I could. Yeah, I can no. see it. No, you can't. <laughs> if he <laughs> would, if he would be a Prejean, we would we would disown him. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. He'd be gone. <laughs> Art, right. artist formerly known as Prejean. Okay, got it. <laughs> after after the bland John McCabe takes the worker to the hospital, Larry, uh, you they find Schweik's hellscape painting from 1921, and the bell dope. for yeah, dope, and the bell from room 36 rings. But as the hotel doesn't yeah. like, it's not open for business yet. Liza's like, okay, everything in here is just on the fritz wiring way mm-hmm. oh that buzzer that buzzer was i i swear to that god the did, too loud bro when they did their lie. sound mixing yeah somebody went whoop, and just turned Holy that shit, shit all the way up in the hospital like, when they're rolling that corpse on the cart too that motherfucker was way too loud i was oh like, the Come squeaky on, wheel the squeaky oh. wheel yeah but i you know i think we've talked about this before it's like how little sounds and things like that can like because that the squeaky wheel irritated the shit out of me, and so did the buzzer. But I almost wonder if that's on purpose, like to set a tone and to like almost get you a little pissed off and a little bit like, like off kilter. One hundred percent, I yeah. agree with I that. Can Ful- I can see Fultry doing that with the way that he plays with everything, uh, to, with with oh. all the technical stuff that he plays with. I can definitely see him suggesting that. That's a really good point, though, and 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 I like that you made it because with the bell and. I had that in my notes too with the squeaky gurney wheel. It's like, yeah, that that totally makes sense. That it would be something to kind of jar the audience to a certain degree, whatever emotion it's trying to elicit, but it's getting you to pay attention to the film. And it grits you. It grits you hard. Like like it rubs you. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh. And you're like, I sort of hate this. And then boom, the next thing comes. So it's like you're that much more involved. It's giving you the slow stroke with the sheet of sandpaper, is what it's doing. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Joe the plumber, or as Ricky would call him, Joe Fotno, arrives to fix the hotel's uh, water issues. There's no water coming out any of the faucets or anything like that. He goes down into again, Don, the fake basement, and it is flooded, just completely nasty and and accurate to what a basement in Louisiana would be if we had them. They'd have to be reinforced. You'd have to build some kind of a structure to to house a basement there's just no fucking way you could do it but joe the plumber he finds a bricked off area and there's this sigil oh. 
the sigil on the wall that keeps coming up throughout the film, that's some sigil magic. That's a protection barrier, I think. And I'm not the most astute student of magic or knowing what magic shit is, but I think that that's what that is, uh, like, to be honest. No, there's definitely a, a, a symbol that you keep seeing, but that symbol, I think, was part of the original. When they talked about the seven gates of hell, Mm-hmm. I think that symbol was part of the original seal. And that was the thing that they were trying to not break down in 1927. Yes. But when they got there, then you have Joe the plumber who he has so many good lines. Um, he has the, he's like, I'm just an old sewer rat. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, so, well, and she, okay. So strictly speaking as a homeowner, if you had a plumber come to your house and you walked him down into a basement that had four foot of water and you said, so how long is this going to take? I mean, All day. And he just goes, eh, it's going to take as long as it takes. I mean, like, I, like just some of this stuff was so just like, it's so oh, yeah, dis- going to take as long as it takes. Look yeah. at the fucking state of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like so discombobulated, you know, and it's like, it just almost doesn't make any sense. And then you have Martha, she comes down and she's like, I made this path from here to the other side. Just like, for you, Joe. Like floating resident evil crates or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, well, uh, okay, well, thanks, Martha. Appreciate that. Um, you know, Martha's fucking like, weird too. Oh, she's weird. Well, but both Martha and Arthur are weird as fuck. They gotta but, be part of the same family. They both some gr- gr- uh They both wait. some Granges. I was gonna say, what did we land on? Oakland or Granger? Granges. Yeah, they're Granges. And don't worry. And I I like the fact that she explains that they came with the hotel. What the fuck does that mean? What the fuck? I think they're ghosts. I think just everyone in this movie is a ghost, but they don't realize. (laughs) There's a lot of people that could be because, I mean, she inherits the hotel, but how do you, and I'm just speaking as a person in 2022 America, how do you inherit a person? Like, exactly. And, and exactly. let alone what two people. <laughs> right. I mean, I think she yeah. inherited them because they were haunting the fucking place. <laughs> Damn, dude. I like that. Okay. That's going to take a different twist. I'd have to think about that because, well, because what's about to happen? I mean, I don't know. Or what happens in a little while. But what's about to happen is Joe, the old sewer rat Fotno, is attacked, blinded, and killed. While tearing down those those nasty diarrhea walls of the basement, Bruh. and he accidentally oh, opens up. That's some black mold, boy. You better wear a mask. He opens a portal to hell by accident. <laughs> oh, the fucking yeah! But the like two things here. So I'm gonna go back to the. I invite a plumber over to my house to investigate a leak, and he goes down to my house's foundation and just knocks a big fucking hole in the wall. Like I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep sledgehammering. The bricks fall out. That's fine. But then he gets up to the the weird jumping ahead a little bit, but like the because because he finds that leak, the original leak, like mm-hmm. where the water's coming from. But then you see that seal in the background, that seal sigil again in the background. That sigil is gonna be one of my next tattoos. Yeah. Well, then he knocks that giant fucking hole in the wall. But then it 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 sort of it goes out of the basement and it goes back to Arthur, who is um in Liza's room, and he's quote-unquote looking for keys and <laughs> he's like well, all was, sweaty and out of breath or something he was I totally think, looking through her underwear drawer. Then, yeah. yeah yeah he was sniffing her drawers <laughs> he was sniffing her drawers yeah yeah he yeah, made, he's dude he's i'm telling you dude this dude's a fucking creep bro 
Yeah, he totally made a COVID mask out of a pair of her drawers. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, oh, and he just, he just was breathing deep off that. Just, and they were like only day old, so they weren't like quite crusty. They were only they, a they, day old, but said. they had some scent. Yeah, so he was definitely doing that. He was trying he to get to, that COVID ball. Well, yeah, well, and he, then he talks about he's like, "Did I hear a car? Was Joe here?" And then. You pop back to the basement and they have that, what I thought honestly was a sweet scene, the melting wall, where yeah. the wall is just disintegrating. I, there was something about that that was just awesome to me, just watching the wall just kind of fall apart. And it's like, you're going through it and it's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then it's like, oh, it's just going to fall apart. Because it, it kind of goes back to the, like when he knocked the hole in the first wall. It's like he's just making another hole in a wall, right? And then that fucking hand comes through. Yeah, boy. And grabs his I mean, just full-on pitchforks his ass right in the face and just does the squeeze. And when the eyeball popped out, I honestly kind of just went, oh. Well, this, this movie... Oh. Kind of like the first movie had, where it had the, the brain grab, the skull grabs. This movie has the squeezing, eye-popping-out scenes. That yeah. Yes, they, it does. That's Fulci for you. Yeah. yeah. That's Fulci, yeah. That's yeah. Fulci for it you. It worked once. It can work three it's times. A, and, yep. and it's always just so much – there's so much attention to people's eyes in all his movies. Like, even when it's not the gore, like, there's so many fucking close-ups. And especially oh. our lead actress. I mean, she has those pretty green eyes, and he just puts you on them, you know, mm-hmm. like – yeah. Yep. Some I mean, sh- even in the beginning, the guy that was at the hotel that was in the uh, the lobby when the lynch mob was running up, dude, like they're they're close up on his face, and he's just watching each one of them, like following them with his eyes, really, really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fulci just oh. has an eye thing, bro. He's got that eye fetish. Yes, I yes, dig he does. It. It's cool. And we get that we get that big grab, and then that eyeball pops out, and that eyeball popping out was fucking practical effects for 1981. That was pretty legit. I like mm. that. But then they go, boop, and we're on the Lake Pontchartrain Causeway. Ill- illegally. Illegally, apparently. Uh, <laughs> beautiful, dude. Which is just even more shots. awesome. Just yeah. gorgeous shots right here. Gorgeous <clears throat> cinematography. Yeah, you're coming, yeah. You're coming so up in, in Liza's car. Boating looking. Like, yeah, it's, it's almost just like, like, it's like the dread. abyss. Yeah, it's like you're in the abyss already. Because yeah. there's just yeah. nothing. There's nothing as far as you can see. Except yeah. this little, blind bitch and her dog. Little <laughs> bitch of shoreline and then like heavy leg fog. Yeah. That yeah. was solid. That was solid. It set the tone. It did. That's where so, we meet we meet Emily, who was the, the wide eyed woman from the beginning, as far as I can tell, who was reading from Ebon. Right. And um she says she's been looking for Liza. <laughs> right. I always like that. Yeah, and, Emily's probably my favorite character. And uh, they, they return to the hotel where Emily's basically like, trust me, you don't want to reopen this motherfucker, but I can't tell you why. So right. don't worry about it. Well, but when they second. came back, though, when they came back, they weren't at the hotel. They were at a different place. They were at the house at the crossroads. Oh, that's Emily's house. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, oh, okay. And then, right, and right, Emily, right. Emily, the blind woman with the seeing eye dog. And the scene our dog was clearly not trained because she was fighting that son of a bitch. <laughs> every, <laughs> every fucking turn. She's like, I'll just take this and <laughs> Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. We're good. I, my scene our dog's good. And I love Dickie. I, I love Dickie. Oh, he, Dickie's he, but, the best. But he was oh, not a CNI dog. He was a fucking sweet ass German shepherd that somebody put a harness on and go, CNI dog, we're good. Got that covered. <laughs> it, was, it was not, it was not good. <laughs> 
I just, I felt so, I, honestly, I felt bad for the dog. The dog was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, like, right. Well, he got paid well. They paid uh, him really well. I hope they paid him in fucking rawhide and like milk bones and shit. Cause, oh my well, God. He's probably going to have a great meal after what he did to her face uh, later on right. in the film. He was pissed because she never puts out the dog treats, cuz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. After yeah. this, Martha f- goes down into the basement, and that's where she finds Joe, who's just, just again, the gratuitous mouth, blood, vomit, mashed potato grits yeah. coming out of his mouth, and the corpse of Schweik from, from back in the gap. I guess his 1920s corpse is still floating around in there. Again, dream logic, fuck it. And they get taken to the hospital more with these whistling morticians. I love how they're like yeah. whistling and just ho-hum about everything. Uh, He's like, I'm going to hook up that fucking brain thing to another guy's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to lunch. The funniest part of the basement for me is, uh, so thinking of Falchi, right? And how he uses the scream to his effect. When he had Martha discover both Joe's body and then Schwick's body, she never screamed. She did not do the, the blood curdling, oh my God, scream. It's like, they just like pop forward and it's like, yeah. Okay, we're having we're having autopsies. It it felt like a little bit disjointed for me. Like she did not do the protagonist slash final girl slash even middle girl scream. She didn't do any of that. She but just Mar- was like, but Martha Martha's weird as fuck. <gasps> well, I I get yeah. that, and it kind of goes to Ricky's point about maybe she's like a ghost that was there with the house. Maybe she was fucking there already. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just. But like in the tone of the movie, as you're watching, it's like I'm waiting for the scream, and it never happens. And it was like, that's weird. It was well, just, how, like it was it was weird. How's this for weird? Because in the next scene, Joe's wife Mary, Joseph and Mary, just kind of weird. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And you talk. Jarek brought up the religious horror, and we get this scene where Mary goes in there, and she's almost performing sort of this. I don't know what you'd call it, like a pre-burial. A death rich, rite. It was a rich. death rite. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so, so, it's I, I was looking at it as like some kind of uh, ceremonial, like last rites kind of a thing. Yep. Not like a traditional Catholic version, but like a, maybe like a different religious variation on it. Yeah, and it, it just, it blew my mind again. This is another small thing that is linking us back to the first film and something I never thought of like while watching it until like, because I saw the Beyond. Well, that makes sense. I never thought of it. I didn't see City of the Living Dead until... <laughs> First time watch, so I couldn't have thought of it. Dumb, 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 dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> she's in there by herself doing this, and her daughter hears her scream, and oh man, the slow drip, acid, face melting. Oh, what? the fucking lake of blood foam. The lake what? of blood fucking foam. Right. The foamy, the foamy across the floor, all over the place. <laughs> This movie just doesn't give a shit when it comes to people's faces, okay? It just doesn't yeah. give a shit. No. Falchi doesn't no. care about your face. He don't care about your feelings or your face. He's coming for At both. All. No, not even a little bit. I want to pretend that, uh, what is it, the, the bar from the first movie is Junie's something or another? Something like that. Yeah. I want to pretend this is the bar that uh, that John and Liza meet in, and John's like, you just need to you just need to give up on this hotel. And Liza's like, "Oh no, but you know, yeah, but I'll have to I'll have to go on. Well, what does she call it? relief? She'll have to go on relief. On relief, right? Yeah, I'll go yeah. on relief all day. 
I don't care about this hotel no more. <laughs> as long as this is going oh, yeah. on, there's there's a moment where it's like, nope, time to get the. It's that how, ball. How like, how she say it? Uh, something about her 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 respectable breeding or some shit. I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh yeah, she has she strange. has a jungle kept, or whatever. Yeah, she kept her her reputable English breeding or whatever. I guess yeah. so. That's good. You yeah. rep it? <laughs> would you rep wrong. it? Would you rep her, cuz? Uh. <laughs> You know me. <laughs> oh, yeah. After the uh, funeral for Joe and Mary, uh, which their daughter is so distraught during, and I'm just like, that's, it's terrible. It really is terrible. And and I kind of feel that. And it makes her cosmically enlightened. As oh, we it, see. oh, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, Emily visits Eliza at the hotel and she's telling her finally, Finally letting her in on what's going on here where Schweik, room 36, you know, the, the gates of hell cannot be opened. And you, you you get the examining of Schweik's painting. By Emily, yeah. And she talks about, we the blind see things more clearly. Mm-hmm. And that was such a good line. Just, I... I don't know. Just it, it, it totally works. What do you like, What do you think makes her like? She touches it, and again, this movie's not explaining itself. And there's weird magic happening all over the place. And she's a ghost because in this scene, Ricky, this is this goes to your point that some people are ghosts. She touches the painting, her hands bleed, and she runs away with the dog, and effortlessly out the front door without any assistance, with the dog right. trailing behind her. Well, that that <laughs> and. And when Liza, <laughs> her footsteps don't make any noise. Exactly. When Liza remembers it, there's no noise happening. So it's like, who was ever even there? If 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 Emily runs through a house with bloody hands and she's dead and you're alive to hear it, does it make a sound? Exactly. Well, that's its whole tree phone in the woods thing. Um, yeah. No, but I think that's I think that's the whole thing. It's like I think Emily the whole time has been a ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's been, but a yeah, ghost, definitely. a ghost on the good side of things, a ghost who is trying to keep you away from the pitfalls of whatever this thing is. You know. Well, yeah, I gotta ask you real quick, Don. Whenever, because you alluded to it already, and I love the idea of some of these people being ghosts. But, but what about the dog? And the dog's happens? a ghost too. No, but what? What about so ghosts can like kill each other? <laughs> yeah, they can, bro. Yeah. And you know what happens? They just wake up in that fucked up place again. I like how Don was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah just, obviously well no because they would be they would be existing in the same spiritual plane so they would be able to do everything to each other that we would be able to do in our plane of reality the fact See? that the <laughs> fact that there's they're different beings than us doesn't make them different from us they're still capable of doing everything we are they're just in a separate plane of reality so are you saying that theoretically if 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 emily were down to clown and again, the nightclub does not promote this kind of thing. But if she was down to clown, she could fuck that dog. She could, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> no. What? Okay. We. Wow. She's a grange now too. Yes, we've already said on the previous episode we're not down with this or kid diddling. All right. Yeah. yeah. You, the you listeners know where we stand. I I kind of want to leave now. Well, you um, can go. <laughs> I, I, I'm invested at this point. I just um, interesting about the interesting about the planes of existence um i i think that might be the core of this movie the planes of existence thing going from 1927 to 1981 and having schweck's whatever happens to him and i i still don't fully understand why that he had to be murdered because he painted um but, <laughs> but like getting to now and 
there's so many of the characters that are, I think Arthur and Martha probably are ghosts on a certain plane because they came at the house. I think that Emily is like an like like the existential ghost that came in later because hey, some bad things are gonna happen here. You might want to know about it. Right. Um but it's almost like other than like Jill the plumber and the house painter guy that fell off, it's almost like other than John McCabe, like the the doctor guy, almost nobody really exists. Right. Except on this planar level where Eliza can see them. That weird ass fucking dude at the library. Oh. Okay. Well, the whole thing you have to remember, Schweike is attempting to un, is attempting to open the seal. That's why he's there at the hotel. The hotel is above the entrance. This is above the seventh entrance way to hell. So he's attempting to open it from the very beginning. That's why they're there to stop him. Yeah. The the lynch mob is there to stop him before he can actually attempt. He can finish the ritual to open it. Except the main guy. He was there because right. the dude's artwork made him sad. And he was like, you must be a witch. Because you well, think so you make me sad. But so do we think from do we think from 27 to 81? No, the, we... the paint, no the, the paintings were his cover to get to the areas. That's what he's there to do. Uh, the, the paintings was just his cover to keep, the, to keep everything clandestine and to make sure he could get to the areas without being discovered. But then when they found out what he's actually doing, that's when they crucified him to stop him. So he, he had already opened the seal part way before they was, he was able to finish. That's what, they, that's what they interrupted. So because he had already started it, the planes between the, various, between the various realities were already broken to a degree. That's how everybody's able to interact with each other. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So, so that's why, you know, you were able, able to have, you know, Martha and Emily and her, they're able to interact together with, you know, the, the various people that are, you know, still alive, you know, Joe, the plumber and the architect and, you know, all, you know, the people that are still alive. But because the reality, the gateway's already been broken to a degree, there's a loose, there's a, you know, loose doorway between everything to where, because you're strong enough, you're able to get free and you're able to interact in the various planes of reality. I, I would think that would be where the film would go if it attempted to explain it. But I, I believe that that's what's going on here is that because the doorway has already been open to a degree, they're able to establish a form of communication between everybody so that, you know, they're, they're on their own separate planes of reality. They're existing in their own time frame. But because it's already opened, you're able to have that connection where everybody's able to be together in this plane of reality. Okay, so we're in that flexible That makes a lot of sense. Where both the good and the bad can come in. And there's not necessarily right, yeah. a, a fight because that has to because, happen. We can just all exist. Right, because the spell had been okay. attempted, but it hadn't been completed. That was the thing. The, the spell wasn't completed. It was attempted, but it hadn't been finished. That was because they interrupted him before he was able to finish it. So because he had already broken down to a degree, all these various realities were able to coexist and merge together. The blind girl is there to warn her away from to make sure that it doesn't get completed because she's able to tell what's going on because she's able to interact with the other spirits and ghosts that are there at the at the location. Okay, so she's so there. So she's so... there to prevent it from completion and to unleash hell upon the world if it does get completed okay so she's like a next level like a next level up whereas some of the zombies we say are the next level down 
right? right. The zombies so are okay. right. So if you look at it as like a degree, the the blind girl is up here where she's able to interact but she can't physically touch or control anything she's there just as like a spirit guide so she's there to like be like the sage advice and say like okay you can't do this you can't do that you have to leave you can't be here when this happens because everything's gonna turn to shit and then you have the zombies at the very bottom as just being like you know the 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 mindless minions just out to ensure that this gets finished Okay, so Don Anelli is God, first of all. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, and this all makes sense because I mean, for all of the all of the positive and negative that this movie continues to bring in and continues to feed you, like it gives you so it, but it's all bringing it towards a nexus. So that's oh wow. Okay. That breakdown makes <laughs> makes absolute perfect sense. But I do like my joke about that guy being sad about the painting like he saw it and he was like this makes me sad i gotta throw acid on your face uh, <laughs> well definitely but that actually brings in the whole it, it brings in the, the talking about the martha and arthur characters i don't exactly know where they lie on don's plane of thought i don't know where they're at you know yeah that's one of the things that I, i'm not very um, I, I don't know myself just because, you know, Fulci left, leaves it so vague with the dream right. logic thing. So, yeah, realizing it's where... It's kind of a sixth sense thing. I don't even know if they realize they're ghosts. Ooh. I, I'm not sure they, they do either uh, just because, uh, you know, they don't have any real impact on the finale. Right. You know, the finale is on, uh, you know, the other two, whereas, you know, they're completely out of the picture by that point. So if there was any kind of uh, resolution as to where, uh, you know, they land and everything, um, that would probably sort everything out a little bit easier. But yeah, I, I definitely think that they're de- they're on the, the ghost side for sure. Emily definitely realizes because when they come for her ass later, she's begging them like, no, you can't take me back. Fuck that. I don't want to go that's, back. That's interesting because with Arthur and Martha, I mean... You have Martha being the path builder, right? Like she wants people to get places. Then you have Arthur who is, well, I mean, he's a panty sniffer, but whatever. (laughs) He's got to be be in there somewhere. But then you have Emily who seems to be such such a sword of good, um, but they don't have like a, a really pronounced sword of evil, at least until you get closer to the end and then you start having the zombies kind of come in. Oh, this is so interesting. God damn, Don, you got me thinking about this shit. I I sort of like it and so, sort of don't like it at the same time because I got to rethink all my thoughts on this. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wow. Well, let's okay. get to the next scene. Let's move it along. Um, despite Emily's warnings, Liza enters room 36 and discovers the Ebon, as well as Schweik's corpse nailed to the fucking bedroom wall. Dope oh, again. It was still yes. gooey. He was Dope. Still gooey. So good, oh, dude. God, he was still gooey. She goes goo. back. She go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag, <laughs> Hashtag shuttle the Ross. Yeah. Um. Goo. <laughs> they return to room uh, thirty-six, or she returns to room thirty-six with John, Doctor John, but he's like, you know, there ain't no corpse here, so. Yeah. Well, they look old, but I think this is rust and not blood. And I want to right. say this, this is another subtle tie-in to the first movie where you have the scene in the first movie where the, the, the chick sees the corpse on the fucking kitchen floor. She goes, gets the guy, yes. 
they and come then, back in, yeah, vanishes, gone. Cor- corpse gone. Yep. So Liza's telling John about her encounter with Emily, and he's all skeptical. He's insisting that there's no blind woman that lives in town. How does he know all of the people in New Orleans? Oh, he knows everyone. He yeah, says. I'm, I'm like, like goddamn, bro. Yeah, Doctor okay. John. What the fuck, bro? He's the only doctor in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it on lockdown, cut. Maybe oh, that yes, uh, particular parish, maybe. Um, right. Yeah, that's probably how it would be, was that he would probably be like that particular section of the city, maybe. Yeah. He's Don, got look, the block look, on lock. No, no, no. Everyone just fucking... Look look, look, look at Don coming with that Louisiana knowledge. No yeah, way look that county. Look at him in a parish. Look uh, at him not saying a county. For the, for, the, for the listeners out there, Louisiana is the only state in the United States that don't have counties. We've got, got parishes. parishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. He, he says where Emily lives has been abandoned for years. So that's interesting because uh, Grindhouse pointed out earlier, and I was mistaken, that we went to the hotel. But actually, we went to the house Emily was living in. So, <laughs> hey, by the way, did you finish the 13 minutes? <laughs> I did. Yep. Go nice. back. <laughs> Later, well, multi- while walking. Multitasking. Try it out, Travis. I oh I do could I do I'm just not I'm just not I, I'll be I'll be available yeah could I've, I've changed it from could to cuz could it's everything yeah. it's not now now <laughs> it's gonna be that. boiling hot grits <laughs> yeah. yes well I boiling like the, hot grits I, I like the good. I like the sunrise I have it titled here in my notes sunrise on the bayou oh like, where you can things. see the Spanish malls hanging oh, shit yeah, yeah it's I just love that but then we go hardcore into what I have titled is let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. She like she gets the axe out and she's getting into room thirty six one way or a damn another. She is getting in there and she's chopping, she's chopping, she, you know, and she you know, like gets in there and I just that moment for some reason that axe against it. I don't know what it did for me. You know, I, we're, we're going back a little bit. I get that, but that axe on the door it turned you I on. Just turned uh, your wiener a, a little bit, a little gave, bit. Yeah. It, you know why? You know why? It gave you those shining vibes. I bet. Yeah. Oh god, you know, I don't know if it was shining vibes or if it was just more that like coming at the door with the crowbar and like I'm gonna get in here. Well, just like that. I'm gonna get it, you know? Well it's also very similar to the uh coffin sequence in the first one where they bury her alive and she has to be broken up with the axe. The pickaxe. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's legit. Okay, yeah. I just the, there's like a certain level of somebody having to be freed or like trying to get to, as we've been talking about, like the next plane of things, like getting to the next plane of things. In pursuit of knowledge of the unknown as well. Yeah, no, I, okay, I'm there. I'm yeah, there. man. Again, Don the speaks, unknown. I listen. Don speaks, I listen. Liza is pursuing the unknown when she's walking through town because she sees the Ibon in a bookstore and, and the, then the oh. movie goes full-blown fucking, we're going to play the old bait and switch. She goes in there and this creepy <laughs> this creepy ass librarian just keeps chuckling away and he's like oh i think no he's a ghost too his fucking nose hair he's too weird not to be a ghost he's got like three inch long hairs coming off of his nose and something about that i don't know if it like reminded me of like a grandfather or whatever else but something about that like twisted my shit <laughs> what he has the worst fake accent ever. <laughs> He's like, no one's bought oh, this book God. in years. It's yeah. been up there yeah. for two years, but, but it ain't it's the very E-bon. interesting. Yeah. Oh God, that was just yeah. It ain't it's, the Ebonka. 
No, not even a little bit. But that just was so, that whole scene was so creepy. And just the guy, his face, his laughter, his profile in the light. When, like, seriously, he's got like two inch long hairs coming off of his nose. You were saying you didn't just, know what the evil of this film was. You just met oh, it. Fuck. You just met yeah. it. This is no oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, you got, oh, it's just terrible. You got Mar- <laughs> Martin, Liza meets with Martin, the architect, who, Ricky, yes. I think this is a Francois. Uh, Martin yeah. Francois. Yeah, definitely Francois. He visits the town library. This is another one of Don's scenes where they didn't fucking cross mm-hmm. the T's or dot the I's at all to see the hotel's blueprints where it's, 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 it's shown that there's a large void in the basement space of this hotel room or a uh, uh, hotel in the basement. Excuse me, I can't I can't speak. And when he finds this out, he gets knocked off the ladder by something you don't see. I guess he breaks lightning. his knee. There's a big lightning strike. And but, he like freaks out and falls. Oh, he freaks ladder. out? Oh, okay. Yep, yep. And he falls and I guess he like breaks his spine or his neck because he cannot move. And this for me, this scene is the worst. And when yeah. I say worst, I mean it's the it's the creepiest yeah, it's the worst. most fucked up scene in the whole it's movie. It's the worst. Because, and it lasts too long, and I don't even bother watching it no more. Well, okay. it la- when it I watch a movie, I just skip past the shit. Yep, a, it, it does last too long, Yeah, but the spider bite into the tongue? Oh, oh it's gnarly. Oh. Let me tell you about the first <laughs> time I saw this. I, I have arachnophobia. I don't like spiders. Me too. And yeah. I'm watching these real, <laughs> sp- these real tarantulas crawling, and I'm watching these fake-ass spiders biting. And I'm like, oh, and I pick my shirt up over my face, right? Yeah. yeah. To try to make it look less severe. But mm-hmm. all it did was make those fake-ass looking spiders look more realistic. <laughs> and so it made it worse. And I was like, no. <laughs> Dude, Martin lies there. He's just like, he can't do shit. And the spiders come while Cosmic Jazz is playing. Yeah, and the, the spiders have a buffet. And they eat They eat his tongue. They eat his everything. Eye. His eye, man. Falchi's like, I know what I want in this scene. I want the spiders to eat his eyeballs. And they're like, well, spiders don't really work. He's like, no, 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 no. They're going to suck all the juices out like a cannoli. Like um, a cannoli, God. Well, funny thing is, is that the, 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 the one that shows him that, that's actually Falchi. What? Yeah. The guy, that, the, the guy that walks him into the room at the beginning, that's Falchi. Right. Oh, he's playing the a cameo appearance? Yeah, that, yeah, that's his cameo. The one that says, uh, hurry up, I've got to go, I've got lunch. He he cameos in a few of his movies. He's got that spider lunch. <laughs> John yeah. breaks into that fucking old house um, where Emily was supposed to be living, and it turns out, yeah, he was right. It's abandoned. But he finds Ebon there, and he begins to read it. So this is again... First red flag. Yeah, <laughs> people finding the knowledge, bruh. They finding that knowledge. Oh. I do. I do want to mention again, real quick though. Fuck that library scene with the spiders. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm gonna say yeah, it for the rest the of my life. I really. It does go on too long, but that's still the creepiest shit of all time. Back at the hotel, Martha is cleaning the bathroom in room 36 when Joe's animated corpse rises from its watery bathtub grave right <laughs> shout, shout out to last podcast on the left they like they need it right and, yeah um, they need it they need the help yeah get the word out get the word out about that show yeah. and this is where you get that fucking face squeeze again with this eyeball Man, pop to me is better i just gotta say i just gotta say they could have painted my boy's chest to match his mask bro <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. They could have painted my boys too. It's a little distracting. Um, I I think maybe, um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I watched the uh, 2K scan from Grindhouse. So it it looks a lot more obvious. That's what Um, I'm saying. Maybe maybe it used to look better before we got into all these 2Ks and 4Ks and... Yeah, because, I mean, I, I don't know what version you guys watch, but um, I have the uh, 2K Blu-ray from Grindhouse. And, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't remember it being that obvious, but, yeah, it's distracting. Just because, it like, the face is, like, so unnaturally, like, greenish, kind of. Right, yeah. like that greenish and then, like, the body is The body is just, like, completely, like, just, you know, you see, like, a hairy Lively flesh. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a just, regular like, person. actual, like, orangey, like, flesh color. Right. So yeah, it just contrasts so badly with like the green, like the mushy green that they give them. I don't know what version they have on Tubi, but on Front Street, that's where I watched this movie. Was on uh, Tubi because uh, that may be from the Grindhouse version. That could be. It started with that awesome like. It was opening. it was the Grindhouse version. I noticed that because I'm Grindhouse. So there you oh. go. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> Sorry, confirmed. Back- Back at the morgue, uh, John is examining Schweik's body, and he finds the sigil from the basement. So here we go again, these repeating patterns, the sigil warning people off. And he learns now that the hotel is apparently one of the seven gates to hell. Yeah, plot twist. Um, Emily is confronted in her home by Schweik and a lot of other dead people. Marvin's there. Joe is there. Yeah, yep. everyone from the film basically is showing up. It's like a house, a, a deceased house party. I want before we get any further. I just want to say I want to sample the fuck out of all of the instances where she's yelling, "Dicky, attack, attack, Dicky!" <laughs> I just want to sample that and like fucking auto tune it and make it crazy and just like <laughs> slow it down and speed it up and just make a chaotic cacophony of that shit. It's you want to turn it? You want to turn into a love song for your wife? Attack, Dickie. That too. Attack. <laughs> yes. You do. It's, and, tra- and right now, so Travis is thinking about how he's going to put it into episode. Yeah. It's, it's all in there. He, he has that. In there yeah, yeah, he has that look. I like. <laughs> it's going to be like reverberating through time and space. It's so cosmically fucked. Attack, Dickie! Attack, Dickie! Attack! Emily's Emily's telling her attack dog, please chase them away. <laughs> right. And then Dickie's like, fuck you, bitch. Dude, he, Dickie's he, a good boy, though. No, he's not. No, he's, he's not a, a good, good boy. boy. It's not his fault. That he's cosmically indifferent all of a sudden? Right. It's not his fault. No. Right up until the end, he's good. And then he just, then he yeah. goes bad. Yeah. He goes he just, real bad. He rips he goes her fucking neck Cujo. Open. Yeah, he bites oh, yeah. her ear off. I mean, <clears throat> basically. Bites her neck out. Yeah. My favorite character of the movie just like, got killed. I told you I want a pig ear. <laughs> he gets her ear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, funny thing about that one, nobody realizes uh, the entire uh, the entire attack on uh, the, the entire attack is basically hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Yes. Yep. Oh she's my blind. lord. Rant, rant, she's blind rant. because she can't. She's blind, so she can't see. Right. Bites and the ear, can't hear. Out. Rips the throat, can't speak. 
Nice. Yep. We're, we're you're proving time and again, Don. I why, didn't catch we the want throat one, but I show. did. I did make a note of the ear. I was like, oh man, she can't hear now. Damn. She can't speak it's either. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And that yeah. makes sense because she was telling the zombies and Schweik, like, I didn't say anything. Like, I, I wouldn't do exactly, nothing. Like, yeah. you can't take me back. And and now she got punished. To me. Damn. Well, and that's the whole Very thing good. about is she is she like a like a precursor or warning to what's gonna happen? It's like yeah. it, has she been off in purgatory somewhere and being like, wait a minute, this is this is not a good thing. And she's mm-hmm. like trying to like trying to get back and trying to fix things before they actually happen. So well, she was worse. Yeah, she, she, yeah. she was seemingly there in 1927 at the beginning. Seemingly, right. at least the way the movie played out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, and that I was gonna say, like, yeah, you you echoed what I, what I was thinking is like to me, she's been and and how Ricky said it before too. She, Emily has been there the entire time, and she's trying to prevent something. But this time, the dog goes bad. Now, I don't know why. But this is also where the movie decides we're in the third act now. We're ramping it up. Fuck and yeah. I think this movie does a better job of ramping up the climax than the previous entry did. At, at yeah. least in, in my opinion. It does. Liza goes to the hotel basement once more and she gets attacked by Arthur, but in the undead form. And <laughs> it's so gross. During, <laughs> during her escape, she runs into John. And they're they're looking for you know evidence of of this attack. And while this is happening, Liza is starting to wonder if she's crazy. Then there's a, a thunderstorm inside the hotel. You have like the wall, the ceiling, and the walls of the basement start crashing down while lightning is going off inside the hotel. Right. That that is insane. There's a, a thunderstorm ravaging the basement. And they they get to out be of fair, here. that's what would happen if you built a basement. In <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> There'd be tornadoes in there and shit, hurricanes blowing through. I was born on the Poncha train in a hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> they 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 decide, fuck this, we're gonna go to the hospital, which is now completely deserted. And this is when that's Sava uh, Medical Center, bro. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Were you born there too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, bro. Sava Medical Center is under attack, under siege from the undead. Inside, there's one doctor. There's Joe and Mary's daughter, Jill. So not Jesus, but Jill. And Jill Christ is there, and you get a horde of the undead. And you know what? I love this 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 entire ending. But at the same time, every time I watch it, I'm also sitting there like... I get so mad at the doctor. Whose dick did he suck to get his, his doctor license? <laughs> like, this guy is not <laughs> Okay? He's not smart enough to be a doctor. A doctor no. would have shot the first zombie in the head and been like, oh, that's how I kill him. Not this, this dude guy. shoots five zombies in the head and still doesn't figure it out. He's still shooting them in the arm saying, and the- stomach. The, the smart doctor is the one that says, okay, heart doesn't do anything. Stomach, oh, that doesn't do anything. Head right. falls down. Oh, okay. Right. And then <laughs> It took him three <laughs> shots, and then he should have had it. He should have had well, it, but he never that, gets okay, it. You know, okay, well, heart first, okay, heart first shot. Logical. I, I can buy that. Sure. Shoots him in the stomach. Okay, you know, again, maybe, you know, try to fill him with lead. But then you pop him in the, you pop him in the brain, and it falls over, and it's like... 
oh, okay. Mm. And then he tries it again on the second one in the same process. He shoots the second one like in the body, but it doesn't do anything. And it falls over when he pops it in the head. So that should be the logical thing where it's like, okay, maybe, you know, right. the first time it didn't work. Maybe I just hitting it wrong. Second time, okay, you know, second one goes down in the head again. Bang, you know, keep going. But but guess what? He still doesn't have it figured out. He never this, figures the shit out. This ever. is why we need Dr. Donanelli. Whenever we go to the Savoy Medical Center, we need yeah. Dr. Donanelli with us to prevent the zombie <laughs> horde from fucking eating well, our the fucking... The other thing, too, with that, if, uh, this is actually the first time, and I remember this, because a friend of mine told me he actually fires 10 shots on the first time without reloading. Nice. Oh, God. Dream logic. Dream yeah. logic. Revolver. Perfect. I can't take credit for that one. Uh, my friend Jim told me this one. Uh, he yeah he was the one that figured this one out um, when I, I covered this on his show. Um, he actually fires like twelve shots without reloading. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest. Well, since I'm I never not a gun guy. Him, yeah, I never I caught him reloading later on either until this last watch. I thought that he ran out of bullets and just magically had him again later anyway on well, my yeah. previous watches. So yeah, totally cosmic. But like to Don's point. When it comes to revolvers, I'm something of a, I count, like I count a lot. Yeah. And it's like one, two, three, four, five. Okay. And then six, seven, wait, what? That's that's what I was going to say. Since I'm not a gun dude, I never count gunshots in movies and I don't know what guns hold what. So I'm never bothered by that issue. Um, so to me, it's just like, it's all magic. I don't know. Guns are, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like I just, I just let shit roll, but it's like, I still count and I'm just like, "Eh, but no, but, but, but if I was a gun guy, I I would count them and it would sort of bother me if I paid attention to it. I'd be like, Oh, wait a minute. Well, that's my point though, is I am a gun guy and I just Mm kind of let it roll. Cause I know that like in these movies, especially these these early eighties up until, well, let's call it It 2020, 2022. People just don't. Care. <laughs> it was oh, raining in the basement. You know what? It. I still, if if I had a if if I had a bitch like a true, I'm gonna go off on a fucking rant because I'm grindhouse zombies and sometimes I can just do this shit. I would call out every movie, every TV show, every book, every podcast, every fucking byline in the local paper that calls a cl- uh, a magazine a clip. A clip, yeah, okay? that drives me crazy too. Fuck you and your clip, you cocksuckers. Get this shit right, okay? Wow. If it was if it was uh, World damn. War II, it would be a clip, okay? It would absolutely be a clip, okay? After 1950, it was a fucking magazine. Call it a fucking magazine. You, you know, sons of bitches. You know who goes I'll harder? Accept in, Mag. You know Ugh. who goes harder in the paint than anyone else is Neil deGrasse Tyson. He he goes so hard in the paint. He called out Titanic for not having the right stars in the sky the night the ship sank. So. No one's a bigger nerd when it comes to movie accuracy than Neil deGrasse. When this movie's coming to an end, uh, you get you get glass flying in people's faces. You get a little girl getting fucking killed. Nice, uh, nice headshot. Yeah. That's Jill. And that's, Jill? that's Jill, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah Jill Christ Jill. got shot that's in the head. Jill. Oh, man, poor Jill. She goes down. John and Liza, they escape downstairs in the hospital. They're, they're running down the staircase, but they discover that they have once again arrived in the hotel basement so they're beautiful beautiful dream logic moment looks very phantasm they're stuck there dude and they 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 go through the the basement it's it's flooded the hole that joe beat out earlier oh yeah 
they're, yeah. they're, they're trying to understand like what is even happening here and they end up in the same exact landscape as Schweik's painting where all the drunk derelicts are being paid in alcohol to lay on the floor and <laughs> no matter which no matter which way they run they end up in the same exact spot and they find themselves again in this hellscape and ultimately they are they are blind just like Emily and at the very end of this film they vanish Visual form, beautiful. Yeah. Ten out yeah, of ten. To go on, to go on to the next plane, the next plane yeah. of like inviting the next uh, uh, set of people to like cosmic into as the, fuck into the you, hellscape. You think yeah. you think um, in, uh, Liza and John are going to be the next Emilys, like and Dickies of the world? They're going to be there. <laughs> the doctor, the doctor is the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna fucking yeah. rip her neck off. In the he next might as well at be some, point. At some point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think or, if or, they would do a sequel, Liza would definitely be in the Emily role. I can definitely see her as like that kind of a character, like the Harbinger kind of. Right. Just based on like the kind of person that she was like before, like you know, ghosts still keep like some semblance of their former lives with them. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think if there would be a sequel, that would probably be like her role, kind of. I, I like next, that. Who's the next Schweck? Honestly, Don, who's the next Schweck? I mean, is it the doctor? Is it Arthur? I mean, I is think it... Schweck is just Schweck. I think it's, it's just the same. Yeah. I think because of his, I think because his role of this, um, I, I think he's just. I don't know. If Feel he the guy. Be, yeah, he would just be like the starting point. I don't know if he would if his role would be um, repeated. I think it's just he started it, so I think that that part would be like a like a ending point. I think it it would just be like a definitive like his body would keep reappearing, but I don't know if like his ghost would keep re- would would be necessary like recast okay. it so to speak. He was the seer who 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 foresaw the abyss of the beyond. That's where we keep circling back to is his painting, his vision. Um, I agree with that. Like, I think that's where that would would always ultimately end up. Let's do some final thoughts and ratings on Lucio Fulci's second entry in the Gates of Hell trilogy. We've covered 1981's The Beyond here on the nightclub. We got that shit tight, locked down. No one was yeah, vomiting. Uh, Jerk yeah, wasn't here to to um, <laughs> <laughs> to instigate the vomiting. There was no eggnog mm-hmm. involved. Don and Ellie there was no egging on the eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> Don't egg on the eggnog, cuz. Oh. So, final <laughs> thoughts and ratings here. <laughs> Grindhouse, what you gotta say? Um, so, uh, to be perfectly honest, I really enjoyed this. Um, definite connections to the first one. Um, there was a little bit of a ping pong back and forth in this movie about, and I, th- I think Don put it perfectly, there's some planes, right? And And who was on what plane at any given time? And the more I thought about that, the more I dug it. Um, all things being equal, this movie I think is uh, for me is like is a seven. It's a seven. It's Ooh. it's it's solid. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the lore. I enjoyed it like right from the get go. But uh, honestly, listening to Don, the Godfather, now 
Um, yeah. <laughs> talk, talk about this. I, the plane thing. The plane thing really made me think. And it takes all these characters that I thought were on this very semi-linear timeline and it put them in all these different places. It made me think that much harder about it. And it was, once I did that, it was like, fuck, okay, this is not the same movie I thought it was. Yeah, so far you've enjoyed both the the first two movies in this trilogy. And I'm really, really excited about that. Like, I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed these movies. Hell yeah. Dude, I, I can't I, wait I for a... House Bought a Cemetery. <laughs> I have... That's going to be the, draw, the, the line in the sand. That's going to be the line in the sand. Oh, <laughs> have... Bob is the best. It very may well be, but I have I've gotten to a place where when I'm watching a movie, I I like to take notes. And this movie, I think I have eight pages of notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if I don't like a movie, I might have two or three pages. I'll I'll note some highlights, some lowlights, whatever else. Um, this movie had so many moments where it's like it catapulted me to a place where I wanted to see what was going to happen next. And just so many subtle things like the bleeding hands and just the the characters that didn't scream when they should have screamed. I mean, just there's so many things with this that are so great and like and like just take you to another place where it's like, I know this is horror and I love it, but I don't know what's happening exactly. And that's what I love about really good horror movies where like I don't know what's happening, but I want to hang on and I want to see. Um, so this movie was overall it was fucking solid. A good seven out of ten. Hell yeah, dude. For me. City of the Living Dead was a first-time watch, and we're covering the whole trilogy, so you know we're going one at a time, obviously. First-time watch versus The Beyond. I've seen this. This is the third time. I think it's got better cinematography. I think it's got a better setup. Overall, a more interesting story, better characters. And I gave the I gave the previous film an eight and a half. When it comes to the gore, and I had mentioned before, Jarek made the point that City of the Living Dead, to him, has the better gore. I think this movie's on point. I think it has to a certain extent like a decent level of gore set pieces maybe not the same i've got the spider scene which is really creepy for me city of the living dead had the head drill and um the the intestines being thrown up so those two scenes were dope this movie not so much but what it lacks in the gore it makes up for in the cosmicism and a tomb underground that's only lit by blue lights and has some cobwebs versus a bleak hellscape where two people go blind and vanish yeah, I gave City of the Living Dead eight and a half out of ten. I'm giving the Beyond a nine out of ten, and I really want to push it further. I really do because, like, like Grindhouse said, I love the lore behind it. I love that they keep tying in the forbidden knowledge that people should not know. I also think it's it's just cosmically funny that some weird plumber accidentally opens a gate to hell. <laughs> I think that's just best the best. <laughs> and of with course, us, it's with- a new. With oh, a he's a fought no, yeah, he's a fought no, yeah. That fought no slinging that sledge, cause so yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and give this movie a nine out of ten. The Beyond is endlessly dope. Uh, Ricky, where do you come in on this? Oh man, I don't remember what I gave City to Living Dead. Do you? Do either of you? I think you gave it an eight. Eight, eight, eight. I think like that. I think you gave it a. <laughs> that was your, oh that my was your eyes bled and then i threw yeah. up my lungs okay <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah that was your right i there. remember that now man you know this movie okay so the doctor pisses me off we've established that mm-hmm. i mean the zombies are basically standing there perf- damn near perfectly still like please shoot me in the head 
<laughs> the, the zombies are trying their best to help him out, and he just does not. They're all they're all Ripley from Alien Four, like please kill me, <laughs> right, right. And he just he just can't get a hint. But dude, like the cinematography, like you said, the set pieces. This, I mean, most of most of Fulci's movies are beautiful, like to look at. But this one, just the imagery, and to an extent, the dialogue and whatnot. It, it's just it's just visual poetry. It's it's. Gorgeous. I love the concepts. It doesn't hurt that it takes place in our home state. Yeah, yeah. It makes it very relatable. In the bayou. Um, dude, the, the sepia beginning like, <laughs> yeah. is so rad. Yeah. Like I kind of I kind of wish there would have been more sepia shit, to be honest. But I mean that's not a not a real nitpick. That's just whatever. Sepia tone grits. Sepia grits. Ooh. I'm having a I'm having trouble with this one because I want to just say it's a 10. Mm-hmm. I want to just say it's a 10. Say but, what's in your heart, dude. I wanted I to push it further, a, too. I did. I don't think it's a 10, though. It's not. I don't think it's a 10. Some of the scenes drag a little too long. Mm-hmm. Some of the dialogue is is <laughs> not... Well, the best... No. The best but, scene in the movie, the spiders, the spiders, to me, was the best scene in the movie, but it took too long. Yeah. It, it takes too long, it, and and it, it's it That's takes how... too long just for them to get to the guy. And I get that he's building tension. I get that, but it's just like, dude, like I know what's coming, bro. You're not gonna surprise me. You're not gonna shock me. I'm he here just, for it. He just wanted to Except keep playing that. that that cosmic jazz. I guess that's what he was trying to show off the cosmic yeah. jazz. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this a nine point five. Ooh. Wow, I'm gonna get to be on a nine point five. As you can, yes. No, I could give it a nine and seven eighths, but I won't. I'll right. give it. A, I'll give it a nine point five. Loving it. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Don and Nelly, sir, you brought so much fucking insight to this movie. Where are you coming oh, in on the fuck. beyond? Yeah, uh, this is uh, my second favorite film of all time. Uh, this Whoa! Number- oh, oh shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys nailed it perfectly. Uh, there's just absolutely everything about this one that works uh, from a technical skill, from a technical standpoint, this is Fulci at just the absolute apex of his career. Cinematography on point atmosphere, just absolutely yeah. dripping with it. Yeah. The you atmosphere know, the is sound, the, look, the absolute just perfection of just using Gothic horror imagery for a Louisiana set piece is just beautiful to look at. Set pieces, maybe they're not all-time classics, but they're definitely memorable and worthwhile. Gore out the wazoo, great makeup work, a uh, fantastic story, tons of hidden layers, depth more than what you would expect. One of the greatest, most chilling endings you'll ever see in the genre. It's a, it's It's a 10 out of 10 ending for sure. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely. no denying that. That's yeah. Uh, I, I mean, to you know, you throw zombies into the mix, you add the Lovecraftian touch with Italian nightmare imagery. Yeah, for me, it's an easy ten. Yes. Oh. All right, man. Yes, bravo. Hell yeah, man. Way to wrap. It I want to ape on you and just say it's a ten too, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna remain reserved. <laughs> Yeah. Hold the line. Hold that's, the line, Ricky. That's a seven out of ten. Because House Brian. by a Cemetery is a ten. Because of Bob. No, 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 no. I, no. 
No. I wanted to be here to hear um, you guys react to Bob. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, let, let me ask. Let me ask you, Don. Do you want to be on the House by the Cemetery episode? Uh, if you guys want me there. Oh yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Don. Mm-hmm. I guess you're gonna. Well, no. <laughs> Danny, Danny Torrance, get the fuck out of here. We got Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's a seven out of ten from Grindhouse, a nine out of ten from me, a nine and a half out of ten from Rickles, and a ten out of ten a from Donnelly. It's a fucking ten. I want to thank Don also for on the socials, everyone. Donnelly is constantly shouting out all the horror podcasts out there, what they're doing mm-hmm. every fucking week literally all the time so he is <laughs> if you want some horror podcast information go to don and ellie on twitter yes. all the links will be in the show notes for don's stuff so you follow don you're gonna know about all the horror happenings that's basically again. It. he's doing the lord's work the so lord's work thank Yet you again. don so much for being on the podcast um it's it's always a pleasure sir and we're gonna have you back my Hell pleasure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said it last time I was here, and I, I keep saying it. You know, we're all a family. We're all doing this for the same reason. So, you know, my part, I'm always happy to do it. Embrace them sepia grits, cud. <laughs> <laughs> when you're seeing eye dog is behind you, you're completely fucked. You're in trouble. Man, this yeah. is true. <laughs> <laughs> If you ever you're stuck inside of a lab, make sure that the bottle of acid does not start foaming towards you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stay spooky and um, keep acting. Attack Dicky. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Stay spooky and attack! <laughs> <laughs>